Welcome to Urban Foundry. All opinions expressed by Andrew Urban, Paige O'Neill, and our castmates are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Collier's International, Inc. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Collier's International may maintain positions in the properties discussed in this podcast. Welcome back to the Urban Foundry Podcast, your go-to source for urban real estate news and conversations. I'm Andrew Urban. And I'm Paige O'Neill, and we will be your co-hosts as we explore the future of downtown real estate. This This is Urban Urban Foundry. Foundry. Welcome back to Urban Foundry. You have Andrew Urban and Paige O'Neill. You're back for another one of our weekly short episodes. Today's theme, return to the office. What's really happening? And before we, we started recording, we talked about a new trend in our office at least with our team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of our listeners out there are uh, sweet greenites, as I like to call my fellow- Your fellow tribe. My fellow tribe. <laughs> but since the sweet green opened behind our building, I'm going about three times a week. Yes. And I'm down 12 pounds. You know, mazel tov, but I, don't, I also don't know how you're affording that. Because it is not cheap. So Sweet Greens, if you're listening, Andrew would really like to be... I'm a huge fan. <laughs> your number one spokesperson. I will get a tattoo yeah. if that's what's required of me for the call of duty <laughs> for the tribe. But it works. It's. I mean, okay, so my typical order is twelve eighty five. So the last time I went, I did the kids meal. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially the same thing. I had them substitute avocado for cucumber. Or the other way around. They did it for free. So they gave me avocado instead of cucumber. And it was $7. That's not bad. Yeah. Why are you not going three times a week? Because like it, it didn't make me warm and fuzzy. And sometimes you know, when it's 20 degrees outside, lunch is my favorite your, time of got day. Got your a goose on. <laughs> yeah. You want to you wanna get warmed. You're so warmed, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm telling you though. I know. This diet's working. I know. I'm barely working out. Okay. Well, don't brag about it. <laughs> I'm going to be so svelte. It's crazy. So svelte. So Maybe svelte. we'll start recording this on video soon. We might have to. Yeah. I mean, I saw myself on camera the other day and I was like, Ooh, Ooh. I, I got to keep on this sweet green diet. Well, wait till that Mexican place opens up right there. No way. I'm not, I'm not giving You're up. You're not deviating. I'm bought in on the cult. I'm going to level seven. I'm going to learn about the aliens. <laughs> okay. I'm doing a Tom Cruise full in. It's going to change my life. Full in. I mean, my ideal retail, I was thinking about this today. If I could like... Next door at the Ardmore, which is in downtown Indianapolis, next to our office. It's a great, beautiful building Gershman built for that retail. Mm-hmm. If I were to say, like, I could pick any tenants and they would sign a lease, it'd probably be like Sweet Green, some sort of fitness concept, like a hot yoga, like right there. Mm-hmm. A tanning salon. A tanning salon? That's like putting in a cigarette store. I know. I still like once or twice a month to kind of. <laughs> Your Jersey Shore days are showing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it helps my complexion. Mm-hmm. I'm really sensitive this time of year to the cold. It won't help your complexion sooner than later. You realize that, right? But I'll look good doing it. And I'm losing weight with sweet green. I gotta be, I gotta look good. I gotta. Then you can be skinny and pale. <laughs> skinny and pale is not the same as skinny and tan. Yeah. Well. And then maybe like a teeth whitening place. and i could just be like i would look so good all the time he's very humble folks so good (laughs) so good (laughs) be ridiculous everyone knows that everyone says it Mm -hmm. i'd look great Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Paige, what would you put in next door i would put well i'm very excited about the mexican restaurant coming los Los arroyos yes because scott and i order it 
probably once the Carmel a week. location. Yes, right? from Carmel. Um, a high, I could get down with a high yoga place. That's right. Invoke is downtown, but it's not. It's kind of far for yeah. us. If you could just walk, that'd yeah. be awesome, right? What else? You got two more spots to fill. Two more. A bar. You want a bar? Like a like a divey bar. Okay. Like cheers. Cheers. Come style. in. Everybody knows your name. Brass rail. Mm-hmm. Cheap drinks. You could, they might have like a mug club where you can leave your mug. Trivia nights. Yep. Whole nine yards. Yes. Okay. Last one. Last one. A daycare. <laughs> there you go. Dare I say it? That'd be perfect, right? Yeah. You just drop the kiddos off if you need to go see, get them or whatever. They're right there. Mm-hmm. No stress. No stress. It is interesting that you bring up the daycare thing. There's a huge need for childcare in this country, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's, I mean, you have a second mortgage payment with daycare. Yep. Why are there not more daycares popping up? I mean, I think a lot of it's cost, finding like, people, workers, et cetera, right? yeah, workers. The workforce. But you would think there'd be more urban daycares available for workers. Especially urban daycares, I think. Because I have a friend who lives like right by Lily and there's not a ton of daycares down here. Right. And Lily doesn't have one on their campus for their workers. I don't know. I think so. They used to, I think they used to. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of companies that used to. So I saw this in my corporate real estate career in large old school corporate complexes. The Borg Warner facility up in Kokomo has a daycare on site. Right. The Kindercare building. And so it used to be more common. And then even at, I'm trying to think at Nestle in Cleveland at their camp- campus, there was something really close adjacent wise. Now, right. my mom stayed at home, so we didn't need to use it. But I think there was something at one point. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we're talking about amenities and we're going to talk, don't worry, our listeners, we're going to get into the return to work and what the heck's really happening. But, you know, there's all this talk of amenities, but no one's saying childcare. Right. But I, I look at the numbers of women that have left the workforce and all these equality goals and diversity goals that everyone's touting. And I, I just don't think a juice bar is really going to do it. Yeah. I mean, just thinking so you're a working mom tell me i yeah i mean i could talk for hours on daycare <laughs> and the cost of daycare and all things daycare so at the country club that we belong to you can go work out and they have childcare at the club why is that not more of a common thing at work especially as there's a big push for a return to office but a lot of these working moms and dads learned it firsthand that working from home when daycare is closed or school is closed or no there's a snow well, day, it's a big deal. It's a, a, a big, big ass deal. It's a big deal because you can't get as much done when you have your children in your space. Of course. I mean, you know that you, I'm sorry if you're listening, but you hate working from home. Hate it. She knows it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very transparent about my feelings. <laughs> I'm not shocking, but it's hard to get, things done especially when you're in your own space so and think about the time saver mm-hmm. there's a daycare at my job i don't have to drive to daycare first right then drive to the office then drive to the office i could yeah. work longer because i don't have to leave as early to beat traffic to go to daycare oh my gosh is this our call to action bring daycares to the workplace i think it you know honestly for it, free and <laughs> some of our listeners are in a position to think about this for developments i think this needs to be part of more development plans i really do i think it could be a major differentiator yeah um and, and it's something that's not being talked about and it's being missed in the commercial real estate community and i think there's a lot of reasons why yeah you know because it's a bunch of old white guys basically i'm just saying it yeah you work here, you, you you know the demographics, it's pretty easy. You don't need to run a chart to right. to, to, to give them. I think that's part of, part of the reason why. Yeah. 
you know, old white guys make a lot of these decisions and do a lot of these development work. Not all, but there's a vast majority mm-hmm. and this is not a problem for them. And because and a vast majority of their partners or their spouses are correct staying at home. Correct. Handling the home front while uh-huh. they, yeah. So here to make a change. Return to office <laughs> anchored by childcare. But this month, you know, in general, it was the turn of the year. A lot of companies came out, said, okay, guys, we're coming back. If you're hybrid, we expect you, you pick a number of days, two, three days, whatever, to come back. And so now that we're finally starting to see some of that data trickle in and talk about what's really going on there. And just, just recently, you know, a couple of reports came out on office occupancy and it's Castle Systems. We've talked about them before. In 10 major metro areas tracked by Castle Systems, occupancy for office passed 50% since first time since the pandemic, right? Yeah. And what was interesting, the, the metros with the greatest level was Austin, Texas. It's almost 68%. I know. And there was another article that you sent me that also mentioned Austin, which I thought was interesting that Austin's on the rise. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to think about that, you know, but it's interesting to see this, this number creep up. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like people, whether willingly or being forced Mm -hmm. are going back to the office. Right. And we, we've started to see this power dynamic shift from employee to, to back to the employer. So who has the power? Now I do think companies need to not be so gray of saying, "Uh, can you come into the office one or two or three days a week? It's they need to be that direct language with their with their employees saying, we need you in the office for at least three days a week. And it can't be Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. They need to go back to being specific. Not clear guidelines. Clear guidelines. Here's the rules clear of the road. expectations. Because when people are left in that gray space, it's, it's dangerous. Yeah. And it's left for interpretation. And, and humans, we are all unique. We think we all have the same perspective and we're all the same logical, rational beings. But guess what? We interpret information differently. Right. The other thing that I'm seeing a lot of companies make a major misstep on was they redesigned their office and it was done with a committee and talking to a few of our clients as well as prospective clients. They're saying, hey, we're really not getting the energy. Right. That we expected, and I ask them the question of, "Did you ask your employees what they wanted?" Right. And the phone usually goes silent for a second, and they go, "Well, yeah, yeah, right. this, that, yeah, that." I go, "That could be your problem. Mm-hmm. You got to ask people what they want." Right. And a lot of times, and you've seen some of the survey results, et cetera, when we work with companies to actually ask that question. Sometimes the answers are pretty simple. I mean, I've seen surveys that said seventy percent of respondents said they would return to the office more. Not saying they're coming back five days a week, right. but they would be more enticed if they had dual monitors. Yeah. That's a four to $500 fix per employee. If that. <laughs> I mean, if I had dual you know monitors. what my husband does, so I know, I know the cost pretty well of <laughs> office-related office things, right, right. if that. Um, but That's the cheapest thing. Yeah. You know. And it's such a simple fix because they're used to being at home and that's what they have at home because they got their work done that way and, you know. And and the theme that popped into my head regarding that is frictionless. This was a buzzword that I think made a lot of VC pitch decks for tech startups, like frictionless experience. Like mm-hmm. Uber was supposed to be frictionless taxis. Right. And to some extent they were, right? I mean, we're in a generation that we use Uber. I don't remember the last time I called a taxi, a taxi company. I remember doing it pre-Uber. 
I actually can remember the last time, but anyway. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, the idea of like, I'm going to call a taxi service and they're going to dispatch somebody and I'm going to wait by the curb and maybe they'll be there in 10 minutes. Maybe they'll be there in seven. Maybe they'll be there in 20. Right. It's crazy. I can just pull up my Uber app, pick what car this, track it. I know who it is. It's simple. right? Right. Frictionless. Right. And I think the theme, I think for the next few years with office and space design, et cetera, and even site selection mm-hmm. is frictionless. Yeah. Conveniency, ergonomics, usable, functional, better than what they have at home. Right. Right? Yeah. That's the incentive, right? That's the value add that you have to offer. Yes. And I think I'm going to use it frictionless. I'm calling it now. That's the buzzword. Right. You know. And I do you know. think we we have to not be so scared to like revert to old habits. Yeah. So another article was talking about how remote, fully remote jobs have declined on like LinkedIn or some of those job sites dramatically. There's not, there's no longer like a ton of demand for fully remote jobs because employees are realizing or employers are realizing, sorry, that there is that dynamic shift and they're starting to hold the power again. That's right. Well, and that's the Wall Street Journal article, right? Mm-hmm. The job market mm-hmm. for remote workers is shrinking. Yes. We'll link it in the show notes because it's really fascinating. And essentially the number of jobs, and this is all pulled together from LinkedIn and ZipRecruiter and all these job posting platforms. Basically last March, right, was, was roughly 21% of jobs offered remote or fully mm-hmm. remote option mm-hmm. or the workplace choice. It's down to 13%, right? To give people context, that's a 35% dip right. in the number of job postings, right? And that means really that employers are saying, yeah, we're going to hire, but guess what? We're going to dictate more of the choice because we know we can. Right. And it, it's interesting. It's marking the shift. And, and I'll give a lot of credit out. And I was kind of a bit of a, maybe a antagonist in this conversation that said, all right, job market cools Mm -hmm. and then employers feel like they have power again. They're going to demand all these people back and these people are going to come in droves. That was, that was a a theme that a lot of people that work in the office market directly were were talking about. Mm -hmm. My mine was more balanced. I said, yeah, I think that's going to have impact to some extent. Also at the same time, you know, I also have been in a lot of decisions where the CFO goes, yeah, it'd be great if we had people back, but if they're not demanding it, I can save X amount of money by right. cutting my office space, right? And so there's like a put and a take yes. to that dynamic, right? Yes. Where, yeah, collaboration's good. We want people, but you know, if these people don't want it, hey, at the end of the day, yeah, I can save some money doing this. Your operating costs go way down. Right. And so it'll be interesting to see, and, and, and the next article we're going to talk about is kind of what's happening with tech. Mm-hmm because they were a big driver of office space for a long time. Since 2010. Since 2010, and really out of the Great Recession, they were one of the largest drivers of office space in, in the country. Right. right. Tech media, advertising, you know, uh, information uh, technology, the Tammany tenants, as a lot of New York City office brokers like to talk. And I do think you know we're starting to see the cuts and people pull away from maybe offering as much remote because they're not as desperate for people. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I do know that people are dramatically right-sizing their office footprints and there's more space to be given back to the market. Right. So I think it is going to be a sense of demand goes down, continues to be down. However, maybe utilization starts to go up. Right. right? And this is kind of the rebalance 
of the, the quote unquote new normal we've been talking about for so long. Mm-hmm. Switching gears, right? So this article talks about the balance. The next article talks about tech layoffs really hitting national office leasing, right? And anybody that follows any financial news, tech companies have been battered by the stock market. Venture capital funding for the large part of sitting on the sidelines or being much more selective, right? So there's less capital flowing through these companies, which is causing them to, to scale back, right? Right. And so we've seen meta layoffs, multiple Amazon layoffs, um, Google layoffs, and there's probably more to come, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so naturally that they don't need space for people they don't employ anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's that yeah. simple. It's a, it's a butts, as I call it the butts and desks equation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Less butts, less <laughs> desks, less space. Right. Very simple. Easy math. Easy math. <laughs> I can even do that math. But the impact is, is that it's impacting office markets, right? They were already soft, but you take away one of the big lions that was chewing up space. Right. And all of a sudden they're, they're saying, Hey, I'm going to sublease. I'm going to give space back. I'm going to you know shed space, or I'm not going to do that next deal that I was contemplating six months ago. You know, I think office continues to have some major headwinds mm-hmm. that now it wasn't, it was remote work at first, right? No one wanted to make big decisions except a few people. Now it's the economy coming in for a second round to take their chunk of the apple, so to speak, out of the office market. Right. It does it does allow the little guys to be able to have, it was saying before they were just getting kicked out of the competition, they weren't even in the room for the offers to say, hey, we want this space because yeah. the, you know, Twitters of the world, we're going to take it. So now it allows for those little guys to maybe set up shop and run a successful business out of an actual office versus out of Bob's basement in his mom's house. Right. Well, it's, it's putting a lot of amazing space on the sublease market. Right. So, you know, public cool space, cool space, well done space, high dollar space at major discounts. I mean, I'm thinking about that call that we were on in Chicago for Chicago last week. Yeah. Those are cool buildings. Really cool. Buildings, yeah. Right. I'm like, right. And granted it's in full market, you know, and we're working with a client for a fairly large requirement there. And, Fulton Market's been one of the hottest submarkets in North America for office space, right? And this was office and laboratory use, and there's some buildings that are being purpose-built for that. Mm-hmm. And the reason is it's amenitized, it's cool. I mean, Fulton Market is so cool that law firms are now moving in, right? Yeah, that tells you how established like, it is. It's like a sexy spot. I know that's like a taboo word, but it's like- Not taboo. You know, not on this podcast. Uh, okay, forgot we do we're, keep we're it PG thirteen. Bi- we're not doing Bible study. Yeah, here, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's like I don't know. I feel like you'd you'd feel good about going into work in a space like that. Yeah, but that's the key. Yeah, right. Because you can't get that at home. Right. It's not the seventeenth floor of you know a, a nondescript tower. Yes. And yeah, the views are good. And yeah but you got to get in this elevator bank and there's this, and there's all these people and it's kind of sterile. Yeah. Right? I was making a reference to what's his face who had the two companies 19th floor and 17th floor. The oh, Bernie Madoff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't the 17th floor. space. <laughs> I worked on the 19th floor at one of my old jobs and it was, it was very much boring space from the eighties. Right. Um, Which a lot of it can be a lot of office space. It's, you know, but public service announcement for, companies that are looking for space. There are some amazing, amazing deals on the market to go get space that you couldn't afford in today's construction dollars Mm -hmm. as you know, most midsize or smaller companies. 
being left over by some of these tech companies or other bigger names right. that you can plug and play into and get top-notch Fortune 10, Fortune 100 space, professionally designed by some of the best architects, great furniture systems, all at bargain basement prices. Right. And when you really run the numbers. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so. And just throw daycare in there and then you'll be golden. Perfect. <laughs> That's it. People will come back in droves. Problem you solved. Know, right? Those minivans will be lining up. <laughs> and and I think, you know, the other theme that I think this year is going to be a lot about is watching the layoffs numbers. I mean, just today, you know, we saw FedEx cut 10% of its mm-hmm. global management white collar workforce. There's These are now just tech companies doing it anymore. These are blue chip companies doing it. Right. Kind of right-sizing their operations and organizations and there's a lot of reasons behind it, but at the end of the day, it's, it's partially due to economic headwinds, inflation, et cetera, that I think are going to continue to be a drag on the market uh, for office. And I think it's it's a three to five year kind of climb out, but but the next wave hasn't quite fully hit us yet. Right. So I don't know, Paige, you know, have you had any friends impacted by layoffs at all? Knock on wood, not yet. I have a good, I would say in my group of friends, it's a good mix of like, uh, there's a lot of different industries involved and some stay at home moms, but I'm fortunate to say not a lot of layoffs, not one that I can think of actually. I mean, I'm seeing more on LinkedIn, Yeah, you know, and it means it's happening. I, I I still, you know, I did, or I did read a report and crunch some numbers. I mean, the amount of layoffs that at least publicly announced Mm -hmm. compared to, to where our kind of labor gap is it's still immaterial right to move the unemployment up so i think there is a dynamic shift because there's not as many jobs it's not as fluid companies based on the wall street journal article aren't as desperate to just get people and if you want to work remote whatever fine yeah have at it right so that means there is a dynamic shifting but i don't think all the numbers are fully baked in yet yeah i mean i just remember like 2020 trying to find people to work was so hard yeah I remember at my store, I think there was a time that we had like 60 positions open and it was like, do you have a pulse? Do you want to come work for me? Like, please. And that, that puts you in a difficult spot because everything suffers when you just grab anybody to fill the space. So again, it's about that power dynamic shifting back to the employer. Yeah. Which is good. Well, and and the other thing backdrop, it was interesting. I just read a chart today that mar- marked out, it was basically, it charted GDP and what buckets kind of contributed to GDP growth over roughly the last five quarters, mm-hmm. right? So since like early 21 through today and personal consumption was a huge block in Q1 2021, right? This right. Is, this is everyone's Amazon shopping spree mm-hmm. that was going on, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And now it's actually completely reversed, So the GDP growth from last quarter primarily was driven by the service sector. That means people are no longer spending money on goods and they're buying it services, travel, et cetera. Right. And so that kind of whipsaw, right, that flip-flop in such a short time, usually you see that data and it just evolves slowly. Yeah. Right? Things are usually fairly consistent within a certain range. This is really within a year kind of a flip. Yeah. I think a lot of companies are recoiling from that too. So I think 2023, if we're going to pick a theme, it's the great rebalance. Mm-hmm. And who knows what that means? We'll have to find out. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs>
Thank you everyone for listening. It's been fun. Please like subscribe and listen to urban foundry on your favorite podcast platform. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you to our executive producer and audio wizard, Chris Spangle at leadersandlegends.net. Also, thank you to my co-host and producer, Paige O'Neill. And finally, thank you to Colliers International for providing us space to use as our recording studio in downtown Indianapolis. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to like or follow us on LinkedIn and YouTube at Urban Foundry Podcast.